Williams Podcast Hour, and it is February. Happy birthday to my little sis Kelly. I love you like a button. And when she hears that, she'll probably say, If you were a button, I'd probably wear you. February is Black History Month. I know a lot of people either do not acknowledge it, ignore it, scowl at it, and some even embrace it. I challenge all of you to learn from it. Instead of studying the common pioneers of African-American history, like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, Maya Angelou, James Baldwin, and Muhammad Ali, check out some of the unknown black heroes. Pioneers like Shirley Chisholm, who was the first black woman elected to Congress in the late 60s. Pioneers like Bayard Rustin, who was actually the organizer and the strategic mind behind the 1963 March on Washington, and Claudette Colvin. Before Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on the bus, Claudette Colvin was a 15-year-old young lady and the first female to be detained for her resistance to the ugly Jim Crow laws. So take the time to learn about an African-American who pioneered something good in American history. I thank you for that. Speaking of thank yous, Thank you to our sponsor, Yes Pallets, the pallet removal, waste removal, and recycling removal company that places risk mitigation, OSHA compliance, and customer-obsessed service first. They can upscale at a moment's notice and remove barriers to provide you with a safe and clean work environment. Today's podcast is very interesting, and it stays in tune with my theme of February, African-American Pioneers. I have Henry Discombobulating Jones on the podcast to tell us about his amazing journey to become the first black ring announcer. Enjoy the podcast and please make sure you're following us on social media. The Chris Williams Podcast Hour can be found on both IG and Twitter at The Chris Will Pod. And on Facebook, it's The Chris Williams Podcast Hour. Thank you for joining us. This is. The Chris Williams Podcast Hour. podcast hour and oh i'm a little nervous about this intro because today i have what many believe to be a pioneer of ring announcers he is the first african-american ring announcer he earned his spot in the dc boxing hall of fame he has been the ring announcer on nationally televised shows on hbo and showtime his style is sleek and his tongue is unique and to steal a phrase, are you ready to do this? Well, let's step to this. Please, welcome to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour, Mr. Henry 
Discombobulating Jones. Henry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Chris. Man, that was some kind of introduction. I'm afraid you're about to take my job. <laughs> I was nervous, hey, you know. That's what you do. You you announce people, you bring them in. So I I was trying to get up for this one. So I appreciate you coming you. to the podcast. That was the first round knockout, brother. <laughs> All right. All right. So Henry, so welcome to the podcast and what a way for me to kick off Black History Month. So you have an incredible story and in Incredible journey to discuss, so let's get into this. And again, thank you for coming on and sharing with the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. So no, what I want to do, uh, no problem, no problem. So what I want to do is I want people to learn and understand your story and your struggle. So let's start with where you're from. Um, as a young man, what what opens your path to becoming a ring announcer or just the guy behind the mic? Mm-hmm. Good question to lead off with. I uh, am originally from upstate Rochester, New York, near Buffalo, Syracuse, Niagara Falls area. And um, coming up, I was always the understudy to the main character in the school plays from you know elementary, middle school, even high school. Never got on stage. And I always had this photographic memory. I could read the entire script and then just recite it from memory. So I was always behind the, the waiting in the wings, as they call it, behind the curtains, whispering to the characters on stage when they forgot their parts, and I didn't even need the script to tell them. So I think that traumatized me to the point that I had this obsession to get on somebody's stage. So over the years, I tried a whole lot of other things as an adult when I got to D.C., in 82, I tried to be a, an actor. Uh, that didn't work out. Um, the producer, he, after it was over with, he said, you have real stage presence. I finally got on stage. He said, you have real stage presence, and I could see you playing Othello in about 40 years. I said, 40 years? He said, yeah, you got to go through all that pain and hurt and angst, and, you know, to really get into the I said, man, I'm not waiting around 40 years. So I left that alone. I tried to be a comedian like Eddie Murphy. You remember Delirious, you know, that mm-hmm. documentary Eddie Murphy had when he had the red leather jumpsuit? I went out and bought yeah. a black leather jumpsuit and tried my hand at that, and I was terrible. Got hit with eggs on stage one night at a club. Who brings eggs into a club, man? You know, <laughs> and so that I realized the yoke was on me. You get it? Joke, yoke. No, they didn't get it either. So they would leave me off stage, and, and the best line of the night, somebody said, the best material you got is that leather outfit. The best material you got is, yeah, okay, you had to be there, I guess. So that didn't work out. But I still had this, this you know, passion to get on somebody's stage successfully. So I went to the D.C. Boxing Commission in 1988. I wanted to be a color commentator you know, on TV. And so the deputy commissioner at the time, may you rest in peace now, Mr. Gilbert Weary, said, well, we don't have any TV contracts for you to be a color commentator, but you're definitely articulate, you're knowledgeable. He said, uh, want to be on the microphone, why not try out as the ring announcer? I said, no, I wasn't thinking about that. He said, why not? I said, I don't know. I just wasn't thinking about that. He said, well, you know, there have never been any prominent black ring announcers in the entire history of boxing. Somebody's got to be the first one. Why don't you give it a try? 
And that was my epiphany moment. The light bulb went off in my head. I said, wow, that's right. I've never seen a black ring announcer announce fights. And I had been watching them since my senior year of high school, you know. So I gave it a shot, and here it is 33 years later <laughs> as uh, considered the first prominent black ring announcer in the history of boxing. So that was the journey. Okay, okay. Now, what was your family like as far as when you decided to choose that career path? Were they accepting how supportive or they were they like, come on, man, you got to find something else? No, no. Well, now, I always kept my day job now. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> I have a master's degree in social work. Uh, undergrad, I went to Shaw University in Raleigh, North Carolina, grad school, University of Maryland, School of Social Work and Community Planning in Baltimore. Got the job in D.C. with the D.C. government in 82 and just retired uh, two years ago, you know. So um, I kept the day job. And I just wanted to, you know, find my niche as, you know, as a hobby. And so I tried those other things I just said to you, and my family was accepting and supportive of all of them because they knew, you know, I was on a mission to do something other than just work. You know, I always had this creative side to me they saw coming up. And so, um, you know, they supported me as the, uh, my journey as a ring announcer all this time, and, you know, they're certainly an integral part of my success. So I have to shout out to my Rochester, New York family, D.C., you know, just all over the country, people who have been supporting this because they've been living through me vicariously, you know, to become successful because they know that I've had a lot of challenges to get on TV, you know, and I still have challenges, you know. But, you know, hey, it's my challenge, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Okay. All right. So, like you said, 88, you decide to get behind the mic. So let's talk about the first gig that you had. Do you remember it? Oh, uh, indelibly etched in my memory bank, and not for a good reason either. Okay. So it was at the old convention center, and I'm just so nervous. You know, I, you know practice, 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 perfect practice, make perfect, but – it's different when you're in front of a live crowd. So I get up in the ring, my hand's shaking. You know, I had prepared my script. I took Spanish three straight years of high school, got straight A's, but that was just translating one word to another. It wasn't speaking it. I got up in the ring, and the fighter's name was Jesus Maldonado. And I said, introducing Jesus Maldonado. And as soon as, man, that was a sacrilegious. The booze cascaded down, man, you know. And uh, the fighter, Jesus, ran out his corner, you know, and, and just started cursing me out in Spanish. I could tell he was cursing me out, you know. He said, no, 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 Jesus. Because I guess that was, you know, disrespectful to say Jesus, you know, Maldonado. So he walked back to the corner and turned back around and said, Negro. Yeah, I knew what that meant, too. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that was my very first time trying it, man. So I never did that again, of course, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yep, humble now, beginnings. <laughs> you know what they say about live TV. So, you know, that was the first stumbling block, right? First thing that you come across. So, 
Were there, as you go along, were there other things that you faced that, you know, you were like, okay, next time I got I to gotta fix this, I got to fix that, or, you know, you just run into things that happen. What were some of the obstacles similar to that that you came across? Well, I, I you know, pride myself in not making mistakes. So after that, I haven't made any mistakes. I've never blown a decision, unlike some of these ring announcers I've seen on TV. You know, like the guy that uh, did the Danny Jacobs and uh, um, what was it? Was it Kermit Centron? Not Kermit Centron. I don't know if I got the, the fighter from Philadelphia. Got all the tattoos on. Anyway, that <laughs> ring announcer. Rosado, Gabe Rosado. Yes. Gabe Rosado. Remember what happened that night? Yes. He started introducing the winner from Philadelphia, Gabe Rosado, but then he said from Brooklyn, who is, is where Danny Jacobs is from. So they were, I call myself discombobulating, but they were really confused. Man, that was the worst, you know. And so I've never made a mistake like that, ever, you know, calling the wrong person a winner or, you know. But I've, I've made uh, this, I guess, um, little stumbling blocks like, um, uh, I would say, like, on Showtime uh, from Philadelphia one night, um, somebody told me that um, a fighter was in the, the arena, and he really wasn't. And I introduced him, you know, up into the ring, and he never showed up. But he wasn't there anyway. So, you know, that taught me not to go on hearsay. You know, unless I actually see a celebrity or a fighter, I don't introduce them on what other people say. Okay. So what's the preparation like? So you get it. If they call you, they say, okay, Henry, we want you to do this big fight. What's the preparation like going into a big fight? Doing your homework, you know, and I've always taken pride in doing my homework. You know, I watched every fight on TV that they put on, even the ones on the Spanish channel, because to me, if it's important enough for them to televise, it's important enough for me to see it, to familiarize myself. I go on box rec. You know, unlike other uh, ring announcers, you know, I study it very carefully with nuances like when a person was born, you know. And lo and behold, you know, sometimes that night the guy's fighting on his birthday. Who would know that? You know, so, you know, win or lose, I acknowledge that it's that person's birthday. And it makes all the difference in the world, you know. Um, I, um, reading all the magazines. I, you know, had KO Magazine, Ring Magazine, Boxing New, Boxing Digest, all of that. Going to the gyms, meeting people, you know, uh, just research, research, research. Leave no stone unturned, you know, as to what to say of how I can introduce them in the most creative way possible. You know, I pride myself on, you know, keeping the crowd entertained all night. You know, when there's um, down periods, you know, um, and unless there's a DJ playing music, you don't want to have dead air, you know. So I've told corny jokes. You know, I know they're corny, but it keeps the crowd entertained and laughing, and that's what you want to do. You want to just entertain them to make them feel that their money is well spent. So I've become a master of doing that. Okay. All right. <laughs> now, are there any jokes that you've told that you're absolutely like, I will never tell that again, and you just walk away with that do that pit in your in your stomach, feeling bad. 
Absolutely not, really. You know, because I, I look at the uh, occasion, uh, the time, timing is everything. Like for the mm-hmm. Philadelphia Showtime card I, I did, it was like a week before Thanksgiving. And so um, I got up in the ring, and the first thing, well, Mark Fratto, uh did the undercard for me, and um, the non-televised bouts. And so when TV was ready to come on, I got up in the ring, and it was a, a silence in the crowd because they hadn't seen a black ring announcer before. So they were whispering. I noticed they were whispering to themselves and pointing at me like, look at this. This is new. This is different. And it was. And so, you know, as you start this uh, interview off, I hit them with my uh, trademark phrase, Philadelphia, are you ready to do this? And very few people responded. I said, oh, I know what it is. I said, it's the week before Thanksgiving, and you're thinking about whose house you're going to go over to eat or whose house you're not going to go over to eat because, you know, the chicken going to taste like wood, you know. And so that broke the ice. Got him laughing. You know, I said, so forget all of that. We have a feast for you tonight, you know. And, and so, yeah, I broke the ice and, you know, of course, uh, got him cheering and everything. And afterwards, the um, Showtime people actually commended me on that. They said, man, you really had this crowd going and pumped up the fighters. I said, well, yeah, that's what it's all about. You know, so I was thinking they were going to offer me a contract after that, but haven't been back on Showtime since. So, yeah, they love me for that night, you understand. <laughs> I guess. Now, so <laughs> let, let's jump into that. Let, let's talk about some of the struggles that you've had just trying to secure a job. And, and mm-hmm. anyone that's ever seen you, they think you're fabulous. So why, in, in your opinion, why has it been so hard for you to get consistent jobs on national TV? Yeah, well, I, you know, and I just don't want it to be my opinion. I just want to state the facts and let people come to their own conclusions. You know, the first thing is, why have you never seen a black ring announcer? Why is that? You know, make the comparison to the black quarterback 20, 30 years ago. Hard to come by. Not that there weren't black quarterbacks out there talented, ready, able, but NFL teams really just didn't want him. Why is that? Answer that question. Why is it that I could generate a lot of revenue for promoters who love me to announce their fights, but the networks tell the promoters, oh, no, we're going to bring in our own ring announcer. If they bring in Buffer or Lennon, I got no problem with that. You know, both those guys have helped me tremendously, especially Buffer. Done other cards for both of them over the years, too numerous to, to, to name, uh, to count, rather. So I have no problem if you bring in those two guys over me. But the networks have brought in here to D.C. area, D.C. proper, unknown ring announcers over me and had me do the undercard for them. And all of them, of course, have been white. So I want people to come to their own conclusion of what the situation is, not just my opinion, but the facts. One uh, particular fight, Amir Khan and Lamont Peterson, I personally sold 
$1,000 worth of tickets myself for Golden Boy Promotions, who were the promoters, thinking that they were only at 15%, okay? Buffer did the main event, had no problem with that. But I thought that was going to impress them so much that they were going to bring me on board. But now if Hopkins said he wanted to, he would talk to De La Hoya. Never heard from him again. So now you're telling me my money's not even good enough? Wow. Where is Adam Henry? Floyd Mayweather said he wanted to bring me on board. So where's Leonard Ellaby? Don't tell me it's just circumstance of why I'm not announcing. No, not that at all. And don't tell me it's circumstance why you haven't seen any other black ring announcers. That's a very important, powerful position to be on that microphone displayed all around the world. But why are you afraid? It's not like, you know, I'm going to say something off script to embarrass anybody or anything like that. So why have they been so afraid of me for these 33 years? You know, when I first started uh, on, you didn't mention this, but it was the USA old, what is it, old USA Tuesday Night Fights. Do you remember those? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. That was my start. That was my start. It was Andrew Maynard against uh, Ed Mack from Philadelphia at the old convention center in D.C. And the uh, network executive at the time, he told the local promoter, uh, no, we don't want, um, you know, Jones announcing it. He had never seen me announce before. But he, he told the promoter, no, we don't want your guy Jones announcing it. And the promoter said, well, why? Uh, well, we don't think he's going to show up well on TV. Show up well on TV? Wow. What kind of code is that? I was going to become invisible all of a sudden? <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. And so the promoter said, well, the fighters look like Jones. They're going to show up well, aren't they? Hmm. Like I'm sitting on hall said, things that make you go, hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's been, the, that's, and continues to be the struggle, man. You know, so um, thankfully promoters over the years uh, have stood up for me to networks to get me those televised jobs, but it's been like pulling teeth, and it should not have to be that way. But for me it is, so, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. But, again, I know that's my challenge, and I wouldn't change it for the world because actually being a pioneer like this, as you alluded to, I'm opening up the doors for somebody else. I have a proposal going to have a reality show um, for my successor, successors, uh, plural. We're going to have open auditions all around the country to different cities I go to announce, you know, for ring announcers. So you can imagine the hilarity that's going to ensue <laughs> with people coming out to audition, you know, all ethnicities, different dialects, genders, you understand? It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Hopefully we can, you know, find some talent, you know, to succeed me because God knows I don't have 33 more years. So that's what we embark on. So the first open audition is actually March 6th. Um, Zab Judah uh, Promotions and Justin Biggs uh, bring me to Atlanta to announce uh, the fight card there in March 6th, a place called Jonesboro. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't that coincidence? Jonesboro, Georgia. How you like that? Just thought about that. How apropos. Just combined Lady Jones and Jonesboro. So shout out to Zab Judah, Justin Biggs Promotions out of New York. Thank you. Okay. That's good. Now, talk about the the highest of your highs as a ring announcer. What has it been? Ooh, Ooh good, good question. Um, I would have to go with um, <clears throat> my first ESPN gig, February this month. How about that? February 20th, no, February 22nd. Uh, 1998, February 22nd, 1998, from the D.C. Armory, Mark T. Sharp Johnson against Arthur Johnson. And leading up to it, uh, again, T. Sharp uh, had to um, appeal to the ESPN people to allow me to be his ring announcer. Now, 10 years, I've got to set the stage for it. 10 years before that, 1988, when I started, that was two start as well. I didn't know him from Adam. I saw the talent that night, though, when he dispatched his opponent. I said, went up to him afterwards. I said, man, I, you are special. I said, I could see you being champ. And he said, you could see it too? And when he said that, I said, oh, he's got vision for himself. He said, man, I, I, I like your creative ring announcing too, man. I was pumped up too. And you had the crowd pumped up. He said, so when I become champ and fight at home, on TV, I'm going to make sure you my ring announcer. Well, 10 years later, he made both our dreams come true, and he had to put it in his contract for me to be the ring announcer, right? He, he actually hand-wrote it in there, right? So mm-hmm. at the weigh-in that night, he told the uh, ESPN producer, he said, oh, oh, I want you to introduce my ring announcer for tomorrow. The ESPN producer said, oh, no, we, we, we're bringing somebody in. He said, oh, no, no, I wrote it in my contract. Don't you know that guy had to call <laughs> and to the promoter and find out if that was true, and it was in the contract? Mark had wow. slipped it in there, and the promoter was unaware of it. Cedric Kushner, may he rest in peace. And so he told the network executive, he said, it's in the contract. He's got to do it. And afterwards, Mark had a first-round knockout. Sensational, right? I had... Um, a carpet, not a carpet. I had a, um, what's the thing that uh, that Hamad, uh, Nassim Hamad used to come in on? You remember they used to carry him in? Throne, a throne? Oh, yes. Okay. So I had a, car, a carpenter make a throne for Mark and had a the red carpet actually rolled out to the ring, and Mark came in like a king. First round knockout. In the opening sentence in the Washington Post the next day was Mark T. Sharp Johnson made an entrance fit for a king and gave a performance for the ages. Man, you can't beat that kind of publicity. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So Cedric Kushner came up to me after the fight. He said, oh, this was fantastic. I said, yeah, Mark is undeniably probably one of the best pound-for-pound fighters. He said, yeah. I'm talking about you, too. I said, huh? He said, yeah. He said, you had the crowd uh, 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 riveted. Your, 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 your creative 
Your creativity is awesome. Would you like to come on the road with us? I said, was this a trick question or something? He said, no. Next one is September in Atlantic City on ESPN again. So we went up to Atlantic City, ESPN, and I announced that up there, and it was Ike Ibebuchi's last fight. Do you know that fighter? Wow, right before he went to jail? That's exactly right. That was his last fight. He stopped his name that night, too. So, yeah, so Mark was making both our dreams come true, man. So my trajectory was on the rise. (sighs) But the best laid plans of mice and men often go astray. Mark got caught up with a domestic violence situation and, you know, went and did a little downtime. And the struggle started all over again. Okay. So let's talk about that. So Mark disappears. You're still around. Cedric Kushner yep. still knows. He knows that you can do your thing. Other people have seen it. So what was the struggle like? So are you contacting people saying, hey, can I do your shows? Are they contacting you the saying we're considering you? How does all that work? The time, but, all the time, but different promoters have their, their favorite, you know, announcers that they're loyal to. You know, and ESPN um, didn't have a mainstay ring announcer, but, you know, they kept um, denying me when promoters would ask. Chet Cedric Kushner did bring me back on board for a pay-per-view show that he had at Trump Taj Mahal in Atlantic City, coincidentally enough, you know. Um, so he, he uh, you're right, he did like me, and he kept his word. Um, then he got, now he um, became ill, you know, so he wasn't doing things after that. Um, HBO, of course, had Buffer signed to the contract, and Showtime had Jimmy Lennon. So I couldn't, you know, uh, supplant either one of those guys. And um, uh, USA Tuesday Night Fights uh, became defunct. And then um, over the years, ESPN Friday Night Fights let their show go as well. So, yeah, yeah, just hard to break into it, man. Okay. Hard to break into it. All right. Now, you talked about your highest of highs. What has been your lowest of lows as a ring announcer? Oh, man. The night at uh, D.C. Armory um, when Lamont Peterson fought, I uh, believe he fought uh, Kendall Holt, if I'm not mistaken. And um, ESPN kicked me to the curb, you know, to bring in this guy named Mark Litchenfield from Florida over me. And it was in February, just like it is now. And I was slated to receive a proclamation from the White House, from President Obama, for being the pioneer of black ring announcers. And, um, you know, they took that away from me, man. You know, since I wasn't a ring announcer for that fight card, it didn't happen. You know, but they really they wanted to present me right in the ring during the telecast with that proclamation from the White House, man. And, wow. You know, and, and that just, man, it hurts so me to this what, day. I, I can't even imagine the disappointment. It was about seven, seven, years, about seven or eight years ago. Yeah, about eight years ago. Yeah. You know, and they took that away from me, man, and um, I just was furious. You know, I was thinking about a lawsuit, 
People advised me not to do it, you know, um, so I was back and forth about whether I should or not, you know. Um, I actually contacted the uh, producer for ESPN and asked him about that, you know. And you know what he said? Um, well, uh, to be perfectly honest, we don't like your style. I said, you don't like my style? What do you mean you don't like my style? Well, you know, you, you, you know you, you kind of over the top. You make every bout seem like it's a championship bout. I said, sir, uh, and Mr. Sanduli is his name. I said, um, you know, to each fighter, every bout is a championship bout, man. I said, I just try to hype them up to, the, to perform the very best that they can. Yeah, yeah, I get all of that, but, you know, we, we don't like that. I said, well, even if that was the case, all you had to do is tell me not to do it. That's all you had wow. to do. I said, but nobody ever exercised any due diligence, you know, to give me respect, to say something to me, to communicate with me. I said, but you don't like my style, but you allow ring announcers to get on there who blow decisions, mispronounce names. You like their style? Well, um, stutter and stammering. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, we'll we'll re, you know we'll revisit this if another uh, promoter asks for you. I said no when a pro- another promoter asks for me because they've been asking and now I see why they've been denied because you don't like my style. I said so. You know, I have a um, fraternity brother down at Disney, your your parent company down in Florida in in uh, acquisitions and budget. You know, uh, you know, maybe I can just talk to him, you know, and see uh, if my style works with him, because I think this is very discriminatory. Well, you know, you don't have to go through those lanes. <laughs> That's what he said. I said, well, okay, so uh, when another promoter asks for me, then, you know, I, I expect uh, you to honor that request. Yeah, well, well, we'll revisit that. Okay, take care. Hung up on me. Next thing you know, ESPN is out of the fight game. How you like that? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, so we're, we're touching on this black struggle. Of course, it's February, Black History Month. Do you find it? And, uh, you know, I, I was taught this always growing up, that everything that I need to do always had to be 100% better than what my counterparts had to do, right? Yep. So yep. do you find that often being a ring announcer? Because you, you just, you just stated, you know, they give people a chance, but with you, they don't even – it sounds like they didn't even present to you, you know what, if you could just change this, this, and this, and yeah. this will be your opportunity. It doesn't even sound like they give you that. So do you find yeah, that? All the time. And, you know, from what I heard, um, one network uh, executive guy said, oh, uh, Jones is, 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 is too arrogant. <laughs> but Michael Buffer is confident, but you don't call him arrogant. So why is it that you call me arrogant instead of confident? It's always a different standard, man, and you're right. You've got to be twice as, as good to get half as much, you know. 
and and I just I, I guess I just got tired of it all, you know. And so I never changed my style. You know, the promoters and the fighters love me. Quote uh, my style being over the top, as he said. You know, I'm not changing that. You know, I mean, if a network actually came to me now and said, okay, let's let's modify it, sure, I'd be willing to listen. But I think that was just cold word to prevent me from announcing. That's what I think that was, you know. Because uh, um, as I said before, you know, I generate a lot of revenue. I get sponsorships for promoters. I sell tickets. What's not to like? What's not to like? In essence, I'm paying you to allow me to announce. Who wouldn't want that deal? Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't want that deal? You know? So, yeah, it's it's always a, a, a double standard. And I just want the world to know before I leave this earth, I gave it all I could to let them know I existed. So hopefully this reality show will take off. And, you know, another thing that we're doing, um, related but unrelated, since we're talking about Black History Month, is um, I'm the lead person on trying to get a statue erected in Baltimore downtown for the first black champion in boxing history. Most people would think it's Jack Johnson, but it's not. It's a lightweight from Baltimore named Joe Gans. Mm-hmm. And Tank, the champion from Baltimore, Javante Davis, grew up right in the same neighborhood. So we're trying to get Tank and TMT on board, you know, for this project. Mike Tyson is already on board. He goes to the man's grave every year and puts flowers on the grave. Mike Tyson is a historian, and he appreciates that. So this is a big project, you know. So if I can get some notoriety out of it, you know, and people, you know, appreciate me and what I do for doing this for somebody else deserving, then it's truly a blessing. So that's where we are. All right. So you're trying to get the statue erected. You have the reality show, so let's say you pinpoint somebody and, and you become their mentor, so what career advice would you give them? What would be the thing that you would say, young fella or, or young lady, you need to focus on okay. this. This is where yeah. I would have made a change back in the day. Well, first is I've tried to become a mentor over the years to um, young persons, always males to that point. But going forward, of course, we're going to open up to females. But nobody ever showed me they had the passion for it like I have. I don't expect you to have the exact level, but I do expect that you will be true to it and not only want to just get up there you know, immediately and get paid for it because the first maybe 10 years, I didn't get paid. I would do shows for free or for room and board or gas money, you know, just to get the experience and the exposure. But this new generation, oh, man, they want to get up there. As soon as they walk in 
you know, the, the arena and never been in a ring before, just because you have a great voice, that doesn't get it. So mm-hmm. what I would say is to do the homework, get, to get the experience and exposure first prior to even trying to get up there. You know, you have to you have to show passion for something and not just go through the motions because that's what you think you want to do. Mm-mm. It shows up. It shows okay. up. Yeah. So um, in answer to your other question is what I would do differently, I think I would have started at the amateur level first to get that experience and exposure, make those mistakes, you know, on that level uh, instead of, um, you know, on the pro side. Um, so that would be a good uh, proving ground and, you know, training ground for young persons if they want to get into the businesses, you know, align with the amateur programs first and do the ring announcement on that level, you know. Yeah. That's good advice. Very good advice. So that's something that never even crossed my mind. I'm thinking, you you know, start out some club shows, but, yeah, the amateur Mm -hmm. level, and on so many ways that would be great because, Mm -hmm. you know, you get into an amateur following, you That's they're right. they're for life. <laughs> they're for life. Yeah, absolutely. So, and a lot right. of those amateurs become pros, so now you're familiar with them. Yes. So we're on a lot of different levels. Mm-hmm. Good advice. Good advice. <laughs> All right. Something you told me, and it, 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 it stuck with me, and I have to ask about this. So there's a mm-hmm. Hall of Fame promoter who, you know, we had gone back and forth about you possibly being on one of his shows. And I know that I had a conversation with him, and I was like, well, why can't we get Henry Jones? And he described you as loquacious. So (laughs) when you heard that, what was going through your mind? Because at the time I didn't fully understand your story, but that was, you know, less than – that was – what, two, three years ago, maybe? Yeah, so, but it wasn't the promoter that said it. It was the network executive that said it. Executive, that's what it was. Okay. okay. Uh, not the promoter. Yeah. Yeah, the promoter said that. I, he, he, that's what he told um, um, That's what he told the promoter. He said, oh, you know, no, we, we don't want him to announce it. Uh, he's, he's too loquacious. And the promoter he didn't. He didn't really know what the word meant. He said, "Well, damn good ring announcer. I hope he can get some help for it." And when he told me, <laughs> I, "Right hand to God, man, I can't make this up if I try." <laughs> yeah, I should have been using these jokes on stage when I try to be a, a comedian. So he says, uh, "He said, well, you know." I said, "What was the word he used?" And he couldn't say. He didn't say loquacious. He's stumbling over and mangling the word. He said, "But why don't you come on over here?" Uh, it was in Baltimore. He said, why don't you come on over here, you know, and, uh, you know, talk to him yourself, uh, you know, for future reference. So I went over there, and uh, after the fight was over with, because I didn't want to disturb him, you know, the show must go on. So I went up to him afterwards. I said, so um, what's this word that you used that you said I couldn't announce the fight tonight? Oh, 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 yeah, the promoter told you, huh? I said, well, he didn't tell me what the word was. Uh, what's the word? Well, yeah, I told him you're too loquacious. 
I said, too loquacious? I said, well, actually, you could have said, Jones, don't be too loquacious. That's something I could change, but I can't change my color, and I think that's what this really is. I had enough of it because I went straight there. Oh, oh, you don't have to pull the race car. I said, I think that's what you pulled, you know. I said, so let me see if your boss uh, thinks I'm too loquacious. So I had to actually uh, contact um, the, the president of Friday Night Fights, you know, up at ESPN. And, you know, I guess I, you know, inferred in my uh, letter, because I sent a letter, a certified letter, <laughs> make sure he got it. And uh, he called me personally. He said, well, um, I don't think you're too loquacious. I've seen you announce on our air before several times. Thank you. Actually, I think you're a breath of fresh air. He said, so you, you don't have to worry about that again. And I did get gigs on ESPN after that, but then after that guy left, it started all over again. And I'm like, oh, man, here we go. Yeah, it's the never-ending story, man. So have you ever stopped to think maybe ring announcing just isn't for me? Have you ever wanted to quit? And what's kept you going? Well, um, after 33 years now, you know there's no quit in me. No. I did want to quit in those 33 years. But what message would that be sending to other people pursuing their own dream? You're going to quit because it's tough? No. That was never my makeup. So there was never really any quit in me. Maybe disappointment, yeah. But quitting, nah, never. And so I'm closer than I've ever been now at the tail end of my career. So I know that the breakthrough is going to happen. You know, I'm with a promoter now uh, named Charles Russo. He's formed a union. This is timely and unique. He's formed a union around the world composed of pro fighters and MMA fighters to give them pension plans, health insurance benefits, retirement package, you know, wow. medical paying their medicals, paying them more per round than they would get. I mean, this is nice. This is new and different. And he's gotten hundreds of fighters on boards already. And so we were we had three shows scheduled prior to COVID nineteen. So those have only just been delayed, that's all. You know, so we're actually um, um, closing in on a building, um, a sports and entertainment building, because he's also a developer, real estate developer, deep pockets. And and we're closing in on a building in Philadelphia. Um, And the shovel will be on the ground probably March or April, and it'll open up in two years' time or less. So we'll have our own facility to put on fight cards, televised fight cards, for boxing and MMA. So all I have to do, man, is just stay healthy, stay ready, you know, and you can bet I'm going to do both of those things, God willing. Okay. So, yeah, okay. yeah, it's, uh, it's turning, you know. And as you see, events around the world, man, have taken a turn. You know, it's been eye-opening. Hypocrisies have been revealed, you understand. So it's our time now. It's our time. You know, last shall be first, first, last. 
that's what time it is. So those persons, you know, like myself who have been faithful over a few things, hey, God is making us master over many. That's how I feel about it. So I'm just trying to, you know, bring people up with me, you know, because a strong tide floats all boats. Okay. That's great. That's fantastic. All right. So you're a D.C. Boxing Hall of Fame announcer. We talked about in how New York, in New, York, New York, Chris, and New York. And New York. Rochester. Okay. I, I did, I did yep, not I'm know that. That's So D.C. Yeah. and upstate I'm New York. York. So that, that's huge. That's huge. Two times. Two times. Two times. I love it. I love it. But we we talked about how other people described you, so I want you in your own words to describe your ring announcing style, and just describe your career from the from the mouth of Henry Jones. Mm-hmm. Well, if I was to step outside of myself, look at this person, hear him in the ring, I would say he's polished. You know calculating, articulate, uh, not hard to look at, okay, um, dress, immaculate, um, has, a, has a sense of purpose and timing about himself, knows what to say, when to say, what not to say, has the crowd involved, engages the crowd, recognizes and gives props to other people, Hypes the fighters up, um, and that's from the outside looking in. Uh, if I knew intimately about him, that he generates revenue, selling tickets, getting sponsorships, creating other opportunities for people, I would I would hire this person in a minute, in a New York second. You know, um, he's 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 the real deal. You know, um, well-educated, highly educated, um, passionate and compassionate. What's not to like other than that complexion for which he sometimes does not have the right connection? Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. All right. So... I'm going to ask you this. Who, and you talked about Mark Tushar, Sharp Johnson. Who are other people that in boxing that have been the most influence on you and have supported your, your career? Definitely Michael Buffer. Um, he's had me on stage doing, and, and this is an answer to a trivia question. Who was the first ring announcer to announce at Radio City Music Hall? Henry Discombobulating Jones, when I opened it up doing the undercard for Buffer when Roy Jones fought there. Only time we've ever had a fight card at Radio City Music Hall, Roy Jones Jr. against David Telesco. I opened the show. Um, He's had me on stage at uh, Madison Square Garden, Um, Atlantic City, Philadelphia. Um, Something that he taught me that State has stayed with me to this day. It changed my whole way of thinking about race relations. We had, we were at RFK Stadium one night, I think maybe about 
94, something like that. And uh, it was Roy Jones Jr. against Bernard Hopkins. Riddick Bowe was the main event against Jesse Ferguson on HBO. Mm-hmm. So after it was over with, he asked me, he said, uh, Jones, he said, I got a question for you. He said, you know, I certainly have not mind helping you over the years because you got the talent. He said, but why won't your brothers Don King and Rock Newman help you? Man, Chris, right in that moment, that let me know it's not about color. It's about a man's character because he knew they could have snapped their fingers and got me on the level that he's at without a problem. Chose not to. Chose not to. It's not that you couldn't do it. You chose not to. Now, I approached both of those guys. Don King told me, no, I'm never going to use you. I'm like, why? He said, because I promised Jimmy Lennon Jr.'s father before he died. I would only use him. And sure enough, I've seen it over the years. Don King has kicked Buffer to the curb for Jimmy Lennon when he could. Only time he couldn't is when Mike Tyson fought Lennox Lewis, and they had to use both of them. Lennox announced one fighter and Buffer announced the other. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Go back yes, and look at YouTube. That's right, because it was two competing networks. HBO and Showtime came together, and they both said, no, we're using our own ring announcer. And sure enough, Buffer and Lennox both announced that night. Now, Rock Newman, well, I've had to forgive him over years like my mother, you know, told me to do. But she said, you know, you're hating on these guys, and they don't care about you, and you're only hurting yourself, holding yourself back. You know, so I, I forgave him, you know, for not you know, keeping his promise because uh, if you remember, um, Riddick Bowe quit in the gold medal bout against Lennox Lewis. Rock Newman went up to New York, got him out the projects, brought him down here. We rallied behind them because we knew Bo had the talent to become champ, had fundraisers and everything. Rock Newman, out of his own mouth, told me one night, Jones, I know what you're going through. There's only black ringing outside here. When we become champion, I got you. Don't worry about it. Well, you think I was going to forget that promise? So you know, I told it to him. You know, and he got Alzheimer's on me. I never, I never promised you nothing like that. I said, oh, you can't, you can't remember and I can't forget. Is that where we are? Okay, all right. So, yeah, so I was able to forgive him and move on. And, you know, I let go and let God, and it's been blessings ever since, man, you know. But I just wanted to put it out there that uh, everybody that looks like you not for you, everybody that don't look like you is not against you. Go by the character. Forget this color. We made up color. Well, we made up races. We make up color. But we made up this divide. And we're more alike than we are different, really. Everybody wants the same things out of life for real. So, I mean, you know, let's put that negativity, that discrimination aside. It's just holding us back as a race. And that's what we all are, one human race. Okay. That's awesome. That is awesome. And then let, let me do this. So if you could step into my shoes, 
what one question would you have asked yourself that I didn't either know to ask you or I just didn't, I failed to ask you? Wow. Man, you don't throw no softball questions, do you? (laughs) It's a man. What one well, like question. I told you, like I told you going into this, this is a, a very important <laughs> podcast for me. So, of, of what you've done, you so I, you know, I, I, I went, I went a little deeper on this one. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, who would I most want to have a meeting with about becoming mainstream? And that answer would be Al Heyman. I have not been able to get to Al Heyman. It's always been 100 people between me and him. But reading about him and hearing about him, as I have over the years, I think he would have the vision to bring me on board. I really do. I really do. Harvard-educated man, knowing that I can generate revenue, Ratings, oh, man, stop it, man. Come on, bring me on board for a televised bout during Black History Month and promoting it and advertising it correctly. People were tuning in out of curiosity alone. Who is this ninja? (laughs) (laughs) You know, at least one time. You can't let me have one month out of the year? Oh, man. Uh, so there we are. Okay. There we are. But all right. it's all good, man. It's all good, as I said before. Good. It's all good. Oh, God. You know, a breakthrough is imminent. Trust and believe it is. And I'm going to give you the scoop when something big comes up for the breakthrough. I, I look forward. I look forward to getting that. I truly look forward to getting that. So, all right. So I'm gonna put you on the spot one more time. Okay. All right. So this is a little impromptu, but right. how would you introduce me versus, let's say, a Sugar Ray Leonard? Best ring announcement. Chris Williams versus Sugar Ray Leonard. Yes. <laughs> oh my God! Wow! He put you. You really want me to get creative? <laughs> you really want me to get creative, don't you? Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this bout a crossroads affair for the ages. One from the world of communication and one from the world of combat sports. They now meet center ring, introducing first. Out of the blue corner, he really needs no introduction, but we do so out of respect. A 1976 Olympic gold medalist from Palmer Park, Maryland, an International Boxing Hall of Famer across eight, weight divisions. He is sweet, so unique. On his feet, Sugar Ray Leonard. 
and across the ring. Tonight he puts away the paper and pen, looking for his first win from the world of journalism. But tonight it's not about talk. It's about the walk. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome another voice of choice, often imitated but never duplicated. He is the consummate pro, Chris Williams. I love it. Oh, oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, that was great. That was great. That, man, that, that, that's it. Favorite podcast ever. That's it. It's over. That somehow that's going to be, somehow that's going to be, put into my intro something. It, that is going to be part of my marketing. Oh, I love it. Oh, man. Oh, man. I wish you would have given me some time to really think about it. Then I could have done better. But like oh, you said, was... impromptu, ad-lib, that's what I give. That is beautiful. That is perfect. <laughs> I love it. Oh, right. boy, you're funny. Henry, I wish I had more time. I, I sincerely wish I had more time with you um, to go deeper into your career and, and what you have, but I appreciate you. I, I sincerely wish you the best in everything. I love your story. I know my fans will love your story as well, and I hope it gets better. But thank you again for coming on and sharing your story on the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. Oh, man, thank you for having me, Chris, and best of luck to you as well, man. And if you don't uh, mind, I'd like to refer some other guests your way that I think would be interesting for you to hear, for your fans to hear as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. We take all comers. That's for sure. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah, take care, and uh, let's talk again real soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Henry. <laughs>